Welcome to Coles on the Coast, the podcast where we talk about riding the waves of sustainability, preparedness, and living the small homestead life. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jessica. And today, well, I had an idea for today, but it may end up being more of a menagerie day. Menagerie! With clanking in the background. All the kids are awake, so we apologize ahead of time for all the extra noise. Um, but I was told there was a story, and I want to hear this story. <laughs> so I went to Walmart to do grocery shopping. I have, how much did I spend? A ton of money. A ton of money. I bought printer ink. Not at ink. Walmart. Oh, no, yeah. I, did. I remember now. I bought printer ink. I bought diapers. I bought multiple packs of diapers. I bought all kinds of groceries. I go through the self-checkout, I use my own bags, I start walking out, and what happens? They want to check your receipt. He wanted to check my receipt. And normally, actually I never get checked, so it was kind of weird. But normally I'm not the kind of person that would say anything. But I don't know, it rifled me up for some reason. And I was like, I guess so, but I don't have to. And really, it's illegal for you to do it, which was the wrong word, because I don't think it's illegal, per se. But it's like, I believe the, that I don't that I don't require to show a receipt once I've purchased my products, unless it's a club, I believe. That's supposed to be the rule. That's supposed to be the rule. But apparently, if you have your own bags, they're going to check you anyway. So yeah, that's my Walmart story. I checked myself out, had to be carded, and then got checked by the guy at the door. Anyway. It's ridiculous. I know. It usually frustrates you more than me. Well, yeah, because I went and bought a, a pair of boots and looked through, like, 60 empty boxes in the back of the store. Because somebody would come in, like, these, these teams would come in and steal boots. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have a construction team, a traveling construction team, they show up in Walmart and they'll trade their boots out for new ones and then just walk out of the store. And so most of the boxes I looked through to try to find a pair of shoes were empty. So I go and get my shoes and take it and pay for them honestly, and then they want to look at my receipt because I've got a box of shoes in my hand. <laughs> yeah, so... I didn't go back for almost three weeks. No, it was longer than that. You went, didn't go back for a long time. So there was something that you knew Walmart had, and you knew it they had it cheaper than the automotive store or something like that. There's always something that gets you back in Walmart. Always. I mean, Walmart's the cheapest place to get diapers unless you go to Sam's, and then even then, it still might be cheaper at Walmart. Still technically Walmart. It's still technically Walmart. <laughs> so yeah, I felt like an old lady who was mad about being carded, but whatever. Well, you're an old lady now. I'm not that old. 31's not that old, is it, guys? It's older than me. Oh, well, that's true. So I had another thing from that same week. <laughs> well, it was more of like a, oh my gosh, type moment, because I took the boys for their well visit. And one of the questions that the nurse practitioner asked me was if they get at least an hour of active play a day. And my jaw just drops because I'm thinking, 
other kids don't get a whole hour of active play a day. Like, that that's suicide to children. I mean, their brains need active play, and yet they have to ask that because people don't get it. They wouldn't ask questions if they, you know, the answer was no most of the time. So they have PE class at school. PE class. I had a friend who, at their school, PE class consisted of teaching them a bunch of line dances every week. Yeah, it's active play. (laughs) I just thought it was funny because it was, I don't know if they ever did anything other than line dances that one year. That's what it is. It's just active play. So what about you? What's been going on? I don't know. I've been interested in nursery rhymes. Nursery rhymes. Which, uh, this is why it's kind of a Menagerie Monday episode, because I don't have enough, like, research on the topic. But nursery rhymes and, like, Grimm's fairy tales are more... trying to think they're like condensed allegories for the human state Mm -hmm. right and i had some thought of how since we don't read these things like this anymore we kind of get out of tune with how you know with, with these condensed truths that we would normally ponder because when you have a nursery rhyme you think about it over and over and over again just because it's easy to memorize Mm -hmm. but when you don't have that you're not thinking things over and if they contain this encoded information you're not going to get it you're not going to listen to it yeah but you want to give an example i mean like jack spratt and his wife right Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean, but between the twixt of them, they licked the platter clean. Because, like, the idea is that, you know, men and women complement each other in marriage. And, I mean, you could take it as far as, like, Carl Jung and his, his anima and animus, right? There's a, there's, like, the, the female and the male counterpart that's supposed to, like, complement you. And then you find that counterpart in the spouse. Mm-hmm. And Jack Spratt and his wife are like the perfect prime example. Yeah. They completely complement each other so that the thing is fully accomplished. Right. Right? The platter is licked clean because one eats the lean and one eats the fat. Okay. Yep. There's probably more. I mean, there is more, but I don't have enough... Like, I, I, okay, let's see. I guess you could look at it, because the guy that I got kind of got this idea from is uh, the guy that runs the Meme Analysis YouTube channel. And he postulates that memes are a, an archetypal system of communication that the the reason the memes exist is because the unconscious produces them as an expression of you know as like a self-expression 
the unconscious does this Mm -hmm. through the medium of the internet and so you, you end up with trying to think of a good meme that I could use I mean, I, or this is this is a good one. the The blue lobster meme, if you've ever seen that. I don't think I have. So the whole idea was that you'd have like, let's say for like you, you're on Facebook and you see a guy doing like a stripper dance, and you go, "Ooh, that looks good," and you click on it, right? <laughs> and you're watching this, and it's like five seconds, and then a blue lobster jumps up. And the music, da da da, da da, or wait, no, that's, that's not it. But the, the, the scary Bach music or Mozart music, or Beethoven music. Okay. Whatever that is. Okay. Anyway, this blue lobster like image pops up, and the whole idea is like, according to like, I think it is it Carl Jung or is it Freud? It's one of the two psychoanalysis analysts because. Freud came first, and then Jung was his apprentice, and then kind of developed more of that. But he, they would say the blue lobster is representative of the id, which is like the innermost bottom, uh, like, desire in human. It's okay. like the base nature. So, right, you see a sexy person, the base nature is initiated, and so then you're just doing it for that base pleasure. You're not doing it for anything of a higher nature. Okay. And that's why the blue lobster pops up because it reminds you that you're doing this because you're freaking <laughs> getting entertained with the yeah sexual sexual exploration or whatever. Yes. And so like that's one example of how it could be. I mean, you could think of the skibbity toilet too, which apparently is the big meme. I haven't heard anything about it until I saw the video on it, but. It's where there's a guy, a head in a toilet oh. that's jumping around. And apparently kids love this stuff. And it, it's disgusting because the whole idea is that you're trying to get out of the toilet because the toilet is kind of representative of the same thing that the blue lobster is representative of. Mm-hmm. It's the gross, the, the bait, you know, the nasty that you try to get out of. But you got the skibbity toilet dude that's running around. And then you've got the the camera head men that are following him around trying to catch him and he's like this is like the id versus the super conscious yeah okay so the the super conscious is that which sees from afar yeah right that's not you that's more like your unconscious it understands more than you realize that you understand and so it's trying to run this toilet man down mm-hmm. but it can't because he's not regulated by the ego which is what you normally have that's just you because this like new generation of kids is like the first generation to not have an ego they don't know who the heck they are mm-hmm. they're like just these primal beasts that don't have any want in the world Yeah. and I mean I don't know who that is to blame but Right. That's just the case because the internet is there, and the internet is kind of like they're unconscious. It's not they—they don't—they're not learning of themselves. They're learning through the internet. Yeah. And so their whole the whole psychology is messed up because of that. Yeah, because the internet just contains so much. Yeah. There's not really. 
there's no focal point that provides like a moral value or a a grounding nature of who oneself is. It's a kind of a just a wobbly everything kind of yeah. mixed in the bag. And mostly just to entertain. Um but going back to nursery rhymes, nursery rhymes are kind of like memes. They act in the same way. It's an expression of the unconscious, or maybe it's an expression of the conscious, but it gives you an image of this this truth. It may be a psychological truth. Now, not all of them are, but some of them are, like Jack Spratt. It is, like, obviously that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only one I got right now, though. <laughs> or, like... Um, Little Boy Blue. But I don't remember the one for that one. Oh, yeah, because we watched the video. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. There's more information in a short nursery rhyme than you'd expect. But. I think that's why most more classical curriculum always have the nursery rhymes. I mean, I don't have a clue what they do in public school. But. I know, like, a Becca, they do nursery rhymes. They do select nursery rhymes. I know Memoria Press, they're chock full of nursery rhymes and um, other stories like that that came out, like, even in, like, the 20s, 30s, 40s. But those more classic, like, um, teaching of more than one thing at a time. So you, you learn... Not only the simple counting and letters and um, the words that children want to learn then, like the farm animals and things like that, but a story of how, um, oh, what's the one where the the guy builds the house, Jack, is it Jack builds the house? or The house that Jack built? Yes, the house that that. Jack built, right? And at face value, you're kind of like, this is kind of silly, but it teaches that there are consequences as you go along and as you do a project or as you do something, mm-hmm. there's always a consequence. There's always someone who's going to come along to eat off of what you've got at the house or, you know, just consequences, natural consequences to everything. And I think that's really important to kids and it's not just teaching them, you know, I don't know, how to count and do math. <laughs> yeah. So... And then Wittenberg Academy, which is actually a free curriculum up till, I don't remember how many, I think it's until middle school or high school, they have a curriculum, and I'm putting that in air quotes, because what they do is they take all open source materials, and they tell you how to use it in order to be able to teach everything you need to learn for those first, I can't remember if it's six to eight years. And then, of course, they have higher curriculum for the higher kids that they actually, you know, want payment for, but. Let's see. If I can find something else. Where's Little Boy Blue in this book? I don't know. Little Boy Blue, come blow your horn, the sheep's in the meadow, the cow's in the corn. But where is the boy that... He's asleep. Oh, yeah! That was the one. He was he was putting that with the sleeping God, right? Yeah. It's this, this the same idea as, like, the, the Baal and 
you know, you've got this God that you pray to, but he just lets everything run, and he doesn't, you, you never, there's no interaction. Yeah. Well, the last verse also talks about how, who will wake him, no, not I. Yeah. For yeah, I am yeah. scared. And he was even linking that with, like, Christ coming back or yeah, you King Arthur, the mysteries of you King see Arthur. The, you see the tragedies in the world, and you go, well, we, we need we need God to intervene. But you don't want God to intervene because when he does, that means that the end of the world is here. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, that's the final judgment. Yeah. And if you bring the final judgment on yourself, then you've destroyed yourself. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's right. I would be interested to hear what he has to say about the calico cat and the gingham dog. I used to have that one memorized. The calico cat. The calico cat and the gingham dog. That's a long one. So, guys, did you learn any of these nursery rhymes or poems or little riddles? If so, what was your favorite? Do you know if there's anything to them? Or if they're just silly little things? I would say almost anything... I don't think there's a whole lot that is just silly. I think there's always some sort of allegory to things. I think that's why we have English classes in college to kind of delve into all that. Although there have been times where people um, have been known to come back and have professors say that it's wrong, but the actual authors of the books or whatever were the ones that wrote the papers. Yeah. (laughs) And we've heard that story before. I don't remember who the author was, but... There was a kid in in a college class, and the professor, he didn't want to do the paper. I don't know how it worked out, but somehow he got the author to write the paper for him on the book or the essay or whatever it was. And the the author of it ended up getting a bad grade from the professor because the professor said that it wasn't the correct analysis of whatever the, the thing was, which is just crazy to me. I've often wondered if college professors maybe sometimes go a little bit crazy with their analysis of works. Probably. Well, I guess. I mean, if you look at it enough, you're doing the same curriculum year over year. You're going to read it differently and get a different idea of it Yeah. as you go. I don't think that Calico Cat one's in this book. I learned it in Abeka. They had a whole thing. It's not in this. It's not in this one. I know. I don't know if I've seen it again since I learned it. Oh, here we go. Maybe How's it start? first grade. The ging. Um, let's see. The calico cat and the gingham dog. I don't know. I don't remember it anymore. You don't know the first line. I don't remember the first line. Oh well. Oh well. Look it up later. <laughs> You have to, this is a, you have to be careful what we talk about with these subjects because you might accidentally get in trouble. (laughs) We are not psychologists, but that's what Charlie's brain's been in lately. But if you say Carl Jung, you might upset people because they go, oh, but he's an occultist. Was he? He, I mean, he was because, I mean, that's where the, the particular... The explanation of the mind, that's where it came from. Mm. The modern science movements came out of that because that's what led into the, you know, the want to look for deeper things in the mundane. Oh, I see. And so that's like it naturally came out of that. So that's where psychoanalysis came from. Mm. 
because it was that particular it, in that vein. I mean, like, look at chemistry. Where did chemistry come from? I don't know. It came from alchemy. Oh, okay. It was a natural progression out of that. Gotcha. But, like, the same people that will say that he's an occultist and you shouldn't listen to him are probably the same ones that do the Myers-Briggs personality test, (laughs) which is from... It's an extension of what Carl Jung was doing with the personality types. You know, I think I did that in college, and I don't remember what I got. But it's also an archetypal system. What's that mean? It means that it, it takes base archetypes of personality and is able to parse them out over diverse groups. Mm. That's how it works. Yeah. It's supposed to be to better understand yourself or whatever. Well, yeah, something like that. Or to know who you can... It's like the Chinese year thing, but to a deeper level. Yeah. Well, the Chinese year thing is based in Chinese zodiac stuff, so... <laughs> it's basically the same, if you want to think about it that way. <laughs> That's astrology, and this is psychology and psychoanalysis, and it's really about So did you grow, grow up hearing that psychology is bad? I don't know. Not necessarily. I mean... I don't know a whole lot from, like, when I was growing up, but in school, they would try to discredit, like, Freud and all these psychoanalyst guys, and, like, see, we figured out that, you know, it's the chemical imbalance, and Mm. that psychology is more of a a chemical thing, and then you go, well, I don't know if that's really the case, considering you don't know what the psych, you know, the drugs do. You say it's chemical. You mean, like, in high school and stuff? No, like, college. Oh, college. I take intro to psychology. Oh. And they wanted to act like Freud was so stupid and he didn't know what he was talking about. You know, I learned about Freud and I learned about... Oh, shoot. I don't remember the other guy's name. Spainer? I don't remember. His his studies... What's funny is some of his stuff made sense, but they were like... <laughs> he came up with all his stuff based off of his two children. Yeah, Spainer. Okay, Spainer. And it was like, that's not enough... He's the one that stuck. Really, (laughs) he the one that stuck his kids in the in like a a room with firemen trucks and hats and whatnot to see if the environment that he they replaced could influence. Oh, I don't know. They didn't go into it that deep. That's Sprainer would do that. He did experiments with children and he put them in cages with. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like different. uh, Artifacts from different. Um, like trades mm-hmm. to see if it could influence their liking of the trade or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you are a fan of our show. If you like what you hear when you're here, please consider subscribing to whatever podcast station you like and rating and reviewing us. It helps other people to be able to find us. Also consider sharing us with your friends and family. We can always grow more if our friends and family and our listeners help support us by sharing and reaching out to others around them. Also, you can contact Charlie from Charlie Small Engines if you need any small engine repair work done, and sometimes he'll even do consultations. Just email us on the website at colesonthecoast.com. 
Also, Jessica does, Jessica, me, <laughs> I do violin, viola, and cello lessons, and you can contact me through the website as well, or our Facebook and social